So hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of the SaaS Sessions podcast. This is me, Sunil. I am your host for today. I have an amazing guest with me, Abhijit Vijayvargia. Abhijit is the co-founder and CEO of Netcar.ai, which is a Singapore-based startup founded in this year, Feb 2020. It is focused on building revolutionary, first-of-its-kind system of growth for the sales teams that will help the sales reps close more deals faster, better, and bigger. Prior to founding Netcar, Abhijit was the president and managing director at Capillary Technologies, which is one of the biggest SaaS companies in India, where he was responsible for Asia Pacific business and the global accounts portfolio of the company. So, hey Abhijit, welcome to the show. Hey, hi Sunil, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Quite excited uh, to talk to you today. How you been? I am doing good, Abhijit. And is there is there anything that that I missed uh, in your intro, or you wanna introduce yourself in your own words as well? No, I think you you covered it quite well. I'm, I'm quite quite excited in the new journey that I have taken up. We just founded Nectar barely three months ago, and that's when I think the world found COVID. Yeah. It's it's quite interesting uh, that way. So we we are trying to do something very disruptive. We're looking at sales uh, as a function and sales productivity as an important area of focus, right. and how we can help improve the life of sales teams. I mean, I've been a salesperson myself and I've, I've, I've worked with hundreds of salespeople, uh, seen a lot of close friends lose jobs of not meeting quota, seen a lot of reps kill their quota. So I've always been puzzled with the fact that what, what defines a rockstar salesperson and, 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 and how every rep or every salesperson out there can do better than what they are currently doing. Everybody makes a lot of effort, but then that not necessarily results into the success that the organization and the rep uh, wants. So we just went after this problem statement and we thought we, we attempt solving it. So it's a very passionate topic and something very close to my heart. And yep. uh, yeah, I started off on that journey. So quite, quite excited. Just three months and liking every day that we have spent. And thanks to COVID, we're getting a lot of time thinking through how we are going to solve this. So, so very excited. Yeah. Totally. That's, that's really great. So we'll get to Netkar uh, in a bit, Abhijit. Let's talk about, you said you get you have been into sales from long, but how did you get into sales coming from a chemical engineering background? Yeah, I'm glad you, uh, you, you pointed out <laughs> my background. So, so back then where I studied, I graduated in 2007 and I want to do something in chemical engineering to, uh, to be honest uh, at that time, because that's the field I, I, I studied and I thought I'll do something there. And I, 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 my first job was quite, quite exciting. I took up a, a role at uh, Larson and Tubro based in Mumbai, one of the biggest engineering conglomerates of, of India and uh, got an exciting project of uh, working on hydrogen blended fuels. So I would say that was my first view on, on building something new. That's, that's how I got exposed. So I started my career that way where I was part of a team which was building something new. So we have focused on building uh, a product around alternative energy, how hydrogen can be leveraged as a fuel, how you can create automobiles. Or, uh, or blenders which can blend hydrogen on the site with natural gas and then you can generate a fuel that can be used to power vehicles in a much more cleaner manner. So very exciting start there where I used chemical engineering. I, I, I used my time to create something new, a product that we built. And we did quite well. The first three years, the product went ahead. We launched it very successfully as a prototype. But obviously, I mean, the whole oil economy is too big. And I think there's still more time for an alternative fuel to come out. So it was taking a bit more time for the product to go commercially live. And that's when capillary was happening, which which is where I came into sales. 
we got founded anish was the founder at capitary knew me from iit days and uh, we spoke and i i really liked what they were uh, what they were building so i joined them i joined them in the customer success team this is like jan of 2011 they they already figured out the product market fit they started growing probably around half a million dollar in arr at that time and this was like way back in time when when you when you mentioned to anybody that uh, you're building uh, you have a cloud based product and uh, you're offering that people will look up in the sky so cloud was okay. that new right yeah. so so very early days so we had to figure a lot of things first hand not much of a learning in place for us in the ecosystem now now the saas ecosystem is quite big for you to, for anybody to lean on to and learn from peers and from people who have been there and done that but at that time we we actually had to do a lot of things on our own so we figure i started off in customer success there and very interesting part of working with with <clears throat> my clients understanding how the users were feeling getting some of those learnings doing a quick turnaround to engineering team enhancing the product building it quite fast so so i i, I was doing a pseudo product management while we didn't have a defined role and i was actually in customer success so it was quite interesting a truly startup experience early on and then in 2014 like some i i tried my hand at sales like ani just told me one day that why don't you try selling and yeah and i never did anything else after that i must say like so last 7 years it's been like sales sales and sales for me i just okay. love the passion and excitement that comes along in selling whether it it is a high that one gets on closing a a hard fought deal or the learning yeah. that comes along when you lose a deal it really pinches you but yeah the learning makes you come back stronger so you you fight back and you figure out what what you did wrong and then you come back stronger for the next deal so i quite liked sales and then yeah i just fell in love with it and just from say being an individual contributor to building a team as we were growing to opening new markets going deeper in the existing markets ramping up sales productivity so a lot of things that comes alongside so one thing led to other and yeah so i started doing all things growth there yeah that's really interesting vijit so one thing that really strikes me is if you've seen all the most not all but most of the saas companies in india there they they follow this this functionality or this kind of approach which is like you know build in india and sell in the us but you were responsible uh, at capillary for expanding in southeast asia so how was that why was that decision taken you know so early at capillary and you know how was that decision for you yeah i think that's it's a great question and very relevant for everyone today because i think saas and in general opens countless opportunities for anybody anywhere in, in the world right so you can build uh-huh. products from anywhere and you can sell to anywhere right. and us being a key market i think is the first go to market for any company who's building product anywhere and obviously india is the third biggest hub for saas products after us and china and most indian companies generally go into us and that's the right strategy as well obviously it comes with its own risk and complexity and 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 what one needs to do right to be successful for us at capillary it was not about the us opportunity to go after in the first go it was more about what we were good at and what mm-hmm. is there on the table so we thought rather than going for a or a moonshot we just go for something which is low hanging and we do an end game there we saw our strength right. in emerging markets because we started off in india we saw and retail was a focus because being a vertical focus company we saw retail right. uh, where we saw a lot of traction and we ended up being a vertical focus company and retail was behaving very differently in emerging markets versus developed markets like us i mean amazon yeah. was killing everybody in in us back in 2011 2012 you look at that's the time when they started really 
killing everybody there. Uh, retail as a yeah. sector is likely growing in, in, in US. And whereas retail was growing quite significantly well in, in India, Southeast Asia, Middle East, and some of the emerging markets in Asia. So mm-hmm. one was that checkpoint for us that, okay, as, as a sector specific focus, uh, this makes more uh, sense for us. Second, it was uh, close proximity, similar buying behavior. I mean, the, the, the way Southeast Asian people behave versus Indian, I think it's quite similar. A lot of similarities on the culture, uh, diaspora and right. everything else. So it was a lot more easy uh, and intuitive for us. And we just felt that there's a lot more opportunity. In terms of market size also, if you look at South Asia in total, would probably represent a similar market opportunity like a country uh, for a country like India. So we just felt that, okay, let's treat South Asia as another country. So it should be an equivalent right. business for us, the way we built in India. Um, parallelly, we were starting Middle East, which again is, is a great market, big opportunity, a lot of money out there for, for SaaS mm-hmm. companies as well. And US, we just, because of our sector specific focus, we just felt that US might not be the right time for us to focus on when there was money on the table. Yeah. So yeah, now I think capital is getting into uh, US as well as we speak. So it's the right time for, for them to focus on. So we went with doing an end game with our core markets rather than opening another big uh, market yeah. where we already have some sectoral challenge. Yeah. That's a great approach. So, so what's the, like, what's the difference? Between, you know selling in US versus you know selling in Southeast Asia is there any significant difference yeah I would say selling in Southeast Asia is quite similar to selling in India even selling in Middle East is quite similar to selling in India there's not much of a, a learning curve out there while obviously there has to be this you need to embrace the cultural nuances the people side of it there's obviously the diversity in terms of language and all of those things but it's it's more like how probably I would say Asian approach versus a western approach i mean there is obviously a, a, a difference in which the the people behave shows up in business practices shows up in all things associated with that so us i would say i mean i have sold in us we actually have some global accounts and i used to manage that portfolio as well and we have a lot of our principal clients being headquartered in us so i've, I've, I've been there i've, I've interacted with uh, professionals in those markets so one thing that I've, I've seen there uh, is a key behavior between the users, how the product is adopted. Like I think Asia, people would like to be served a bit more versus self-service. So US is a, is a lot more DIY, do it, your, do it yourself versus yeah. Asia where I think we liked, like a bit more service element along with the productized thing, especially if you look at configurations or like in terms of self-use of a product or implementing it, we like somebody to come and implement it. Whereas in US, people would even want it to implement it for you. So that itself is a big, uh, big factor, which would define how you sell, how you build your product, how's, how's your UI like, and a lot of those things. Second is uh, US is a very vertical focus of a uh, market where people appreciate that you need to be best at what you do and you need to be really deep at the vertical offerings. Right. Versus, uh, so when I say vertical offering, it's more the point solution that we are offering versus Asia where it's more value uh, based approach where customers would expect you to offer a one-stop shop solution or more, more for less. So that's something which, yeah. uh, which is there in the, in the DNA, I would say in, in the Asian people, which, which definitely works in the, on the business standpoint as well. So if you're offering a product, they would expect three more things along with it compared to us where they'll, if they're taking you for email marketing, you, I mean, they'll expect you to only do email marketing. They'll not expect you to run a, an SMS campaign or a loyalty program alongside. 
right so yeah, you end up yeah. building a lot more features and selling a lot more features in asia as as that package whereas in us it's more about okay you're doing one thing and then they'll have they'll have 10 tools for doing 10 different things which are doing the overall job so yeah so those those are the nuances which are discovered which are quite interesting and that that basically defines the approach from your gtm sales and product standpoint yeah mm-hmm. that's a very interesting perspective i mean looking at markets in 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 southeast asia versus looking at markets in us and you know selling into these two markets that's a really great perspective to to look from right so and what perc- what percentage of business capital drove from you know so- just southeast asia as compared to the rest of the world yeah it would be more than 30% of the business was coming from southeast asia so it was quite significant i would okay. say it, it, it is it is the fastest growing market for us yeah Yeah. Uh, because we've been Asia focused, so it's India, Southeast Asia, Middle East, uh, and China for us. So right. uh, Southeast Asia in general has has seen a lot of traction and growth, and we we will continue to see a lot of growth there. Right. So do do you see like you know Indian SaaS companies following the same approach? Like I I know a couple of companies like Moengage and Clevertap as well, like who are also selling big in Southeast Asia. So do you see like this is. kind of a trend that they're following that capillary set that uh, you can expand in southeast asia and markets as well as uh, and get as big as you can you know probably get uh, by selling in the us yeah i think uh, it's definitely given an alternative or or another pathway for any growing saas business built in india that okay us obviously is the holy grail it's the biggest market you have to be like a billion dollar revenue company in in saas definitely us has to be like a, a market you need to tick it's, i mean it's early days for for asia to consume and and offer that kind of a saas market to any any company which is selling only in asia in terms of a revenue standpoint so i would say us while is 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 the first place where most companies will internationally mm-hmm. look to expand and that should be the case and it takes time to figure that it should be done right but i believe south asia is money on the table so my right. advice to and i advise a lot of saas startups and help a lot of like fellow fellow professionals in the ecosystem within the saas industry who are looking to expand in south asia my advice to them is that south asia think of it as money on the table i mean if you're doing india well you got your product market fit do sell in south asia i just think of it like in another state for you like if you're selling in different states of india you just sell to south asia like you're selling into another state i mean it's quite easy there are some nuances to be picked up but you can definitely embrace them quite quickly or you can very quickly settle in you get a lot of respect as well for a product made in india very well accepted in southeast asia you get a, a lot time zones are similar so the coordination with clients and everything is a, is a lot more easier as well and the partner ecosystem gets cross leverage a lot of decision making happens in like say singapore turns out to be a lot of a lot of company turns out to be a regional headquarter so you right. can actually close a deal in singapore for say 10 countries including india indonesia philippines singapore malaysia and like that so there are, right. there are a lot of those possibilities that exist where one one tend to miss out on opportunities by just ignoring the the thing which is very adjacent to you so my advice has always been that don't leave money on the table and and, and right. have a strategy for this market which which offers a great opportunity while us obviously is something which should be a long term plan for for any saas organization but again i think it depends on how you are building the product for me i think the yeah. product mm-hmm. uh, and the user is very important who is going to be a user and buyer and then and what the product is all about totally, if yeah. it's built for us then obviously you have to do just us 
but if it's something like if you give example of moengage and clevertap they are into the digital marketing space and south asia is one of the fastest growing digital economies globally apart from india and china big market so obviously it made a lot of sense for them to come here for us at capital it made a lot of sense because retail was growing in south asia as well uh, whereas mm-hmm. it was declining in us so so we we had our right reasons to come there so i would also like probably give that advice with a pinch of salt to everybody that just look at your product uh, product market fit and the user and buyer and uh, see yeah. south asia is a tick box then just go and have the same gtm so if you're selling in india and you're getting a success you should be selling in south asia yeah that that's a really interesting insights for everyone who's trying to you know sell or planning to sell in southeast asia so you know to build this big market and you know to uh, get success from this market right so you would have a great team who who will be carrying these these things out for you and obviously you as well uh, to lead that team so you are really when you mentioned in your introduction as well right so you're really passionate or really interested about this whole sales productivity uh, thing and you want to you did improve the lives of sales team at capillary while they were you know doing this amazing job of expanding in southeast asia so how did you increase the productivity at capillary yeah so i i had like i go by first principles and i think sales is one of the most disciplined function um not sure whether, whether that's the external view of people who are not into sales how they see it but it's one of the yeah. most disciplined function one needs to be highly organized methodical with respect to the opportunities they get in the top of the funnel how you qualify them how you follow up with them how you nurture them how intelligently you move them from one stage to another once you say hello how you bring that to a closure and they are like seven to eight steps that are involved from and hello to a closure how you go about doing that so there is a lot of lot of method lot of process there and uh, people generally see sales as a as an art whereas uh, there is a lot of art and science combined in 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 sales and the art part of uh, sales is a lot more glorified gets a lot of stage time screen time uh, for that matter whereas a lot of science is there in the back end which which drives a lot of success so i think what i tried to do at capillary was to get into the science a lot more so it's 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 good to make a great presentation and be able to like wow your client when you're meeting them but then finally when clients are buying they see a substance you need to provide that value for which they are uh, signing up for and uh, for them to be co- like convinced on the value they need to go through a lot of process with respect to how you uh, create a value proposition for them how you are able to convince them that you are delivering that value proposition in the best possible manner and how you are able to add value once they buy from you so they are like in three fundamentals question on sales which i i would get everybody to answer and they are like quite fundamental to anyone um, the buyer would need to know why they buy anything why they buy from uh, buy now and why they would buy from you so those are three very simple questions but then there's a lot of complexity behind getting those three questions answered so we went ahead with codifying our own frameworks codifying our own playbooks at capillary with respect to how we'll approach a new lead that comes in how we approach an opportunity which is which is an inquiry stage what is the next step required to move it to a demo and from a demo to a solution preparation how the collaboration can be called out from solution preparation to like a solution presentation what needs to be done with respect to stakeholder engagement what are the steps that need to be codified from the stakeholder engagement or solution presentation to the negotiation stage what are the objection handling things a, a seller needs to keep in mind from a, 
negotiation stage to a documentation stage again how you can invoke a collaboration between different functions in your organization for getting approval on the discounts to the the start dates aligning the customer success teams and a lot more that goes around once you have the go ahead from the customer and then once you sign up the customer how you open up them for upselling and cross selling how you onboard them easily and then how you can continue the relationship because say because saas especially is not just about hunting it's a lot more about farming as well you get a lot of value from a customer from expansion so we need the sales continues uh, uh, thereafter as well so how you continue that motion and you connect both sales and customer success team through a, a formal process and a playbook and then you track and measure it so we i did a lot of experiments there i did a lot of research at mind and we implemented a lot of things which were quite successful we definitely struggled a bit around uh, training and ramping people faster and that just made me think uh, think on that while you have a codified template and playbook how you can consistently implement those for newer reps that you're hiring or or reps who are like moving into a new role and coming back so that's when i just started thinking deeper around the the whole sales productivity thing and how you can democratize the sales productivity principles and that's how nectar was born and i i started looking at what's out there i didn't find a tool which which did what i was intending to do and i thought why don't i go ahead and build build a tool myself and um, i quit capillary uh, after a phenomenal 9 years that i spent there and uh, started nectar in in, in the feb of 2020 So that's really interesting. I mean, you know, so you did a lot of th- uh, things in sales productivity to increase the productivity of your team at Capillary, and that's what you know gave you the way to create Net Netcar dot AI, which is like your own product because you didn't see a product like this in the market. So that's a great story. So let's talk more on you know Netcar uh, now. So what is like Netcar dot AI? Like what is Netcar? What does it do? So nectar, uh, as you as you know, is uh, Greek for honey. Uh, so uh-huh. nectar is K, Greek for honey. And uh, I basically thought about that from from the synonym, uh, or I would say a, a parallel that you can draw from honeybees with salespeople, right? I mean, honeybees need to be quite diligent, methodical. The hard work that goes in from creating something valuable out of uh, a basic thing like pollens. and flower uh-huh. they generate something valuable called honey uh uh-huh. same way like sales people do a lot of hard work collaboration and uh, bring out money for the organization right so that was my uh, logic behind like uh-huh. it nectar so it's yeah. very closely linked to like the sales teams in general so that was the logic there with respect if you look at a high level on on, on why i went with that name and when i started off nectar i i, I spent a lot of time on research so we i, I actually looked at 200 plus sales tools out there across different things that they do in sales whether it's content management systems to crm systems to prospecting platforms to lead qualification systems to call recording and voice analytics systems that mm-hmm. you see today so i looked at a, a lot of them and most of these systems are built for auditing a sales person they are meant to give visibility to the sales leadership meant for giving a visibility to uh, the organization with respect to either record management of their data or letting mm-hmm. them know what the sales person is up to but none mm-hmm. of these tools are focused on helping the person do something better so they are all uh, focused on giving more visibility or reporting back to the organization what is not happening or what's going wrong 
with the salesperson, but nobody's getting into this aspect of what can be done to help the salesperson to perform better. And that's the approach we took at Nectar that will build, build a tool which is going to be focused on the user experience, which in this case is salesperson. And we want to spend a lot of time understanding the journey of the salesperson. I have done sales myself. I and the team that we have uh, at Nectar, uh, we all understand sales quite well. I've been through yeah. it, and uh, we we're building it with the feel in mind on what the salesperson is feeling on a day-to-day basis, what they go through, and that aspect of the whole reps journey and the feeling on what they do on a day-to-day basis, what you'll see or getting orchestrated on the product once we launch. So we are going ahead with a very different approach. And the first product that comes out of Nectar's portfolio is going to be a product called Amigo. Uh, It is uh, going to be the AI friend for the sales team, which will stay with them, work with them almost on an always on mode to guide them and help them better with respect to what they can do compared to what they are currently doing. So yeah, that's, that's the approach we are taking there as we are building the product. And then I think it's, it's a big global problem. If you look at it, I mean, I, I earlier thought that the problem of sales productivity could be only for startups or it could be limited to uh, a certain group of companies that I might have interacted with, but it's, 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 it's a global problem. When I actually went and extended my research, can you guess how many sales people, what percent of sales people missed quota in 2019 globally? Guess a number. Mm-hmm. Around 40, 45%. It's 57%. Whopping oh. 57% of the people globally, salespeople globally missed their quota. Quota 10 oh, yeah. 2019 was a great year, right? I mean, it was not like 2020 where COVID or any situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's been the trend. I mean, more than 50% of people globally missed their sales quota. Would you know how much time it takes for a new rep to perform as well as a tenured rep? How many days it would take for a new rep to perform similar to a tenured rep? You know, just taking guess here, probably 90, 90 to 120 days. No, it takes 381 days. So it's more oh, than a year. Like more than a year. Yes, okay. yes. That's the, and that's that uh, kind of an investment that goes in from an organization. And that's the pain the rep also goes through before they start performing to the tenured capacity. A typical rep spends uh, around 35% of the time selling. And out of that, around 30% of their meetings don't go well. So there's a very limited percentage of their time where they're able to sell and sell productively. So that right. that's, that's something which we felt is, is a big need in the market. So it's like less than 30% of the time is productive selling. How we can improve that? And that's where we, we focused our attention. And it all resulted into how the rep is, is behaving on a day-to-day basis from a moment to moment and a meeting to meeting level. And we came up with this idea where we are building the product. Yeah. So quite, quite excited for, for the rep once the product comes out. On the organization standpoint, we are looking at the pain points organization and the sales managers face. I think the biggest problem, and I think uh, you, you're at Botpix and you, you guys are solving it beautifully well as uh, the tool adoption, the investments uh, are, that are made on, uh, on, on, on large tools, uh, like, I mean, Salesforce adoption or it's uh, ERP adoption or or any of the other tools yeah. out there, we, they are going through a lot of challenge with respect to adoption and the investment ROI. And we just right. feel that uh, there are too many tools uh, in sales and very less efficiency. On an yeah. average, if you look at high, uh, a team in a technology industry, which is into sales, uh, they use uh, around 10 to 12 tools on, on the sales right. side. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of point solutions which just get aggregated, and then finally, as a result of it, I mean, you would have heard the saying, "Too many cooks spoil the broth." So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, so it just doesn't work. So uh, we we were quite as, uh, inspired with uh, companies like Notion. I mean, where I mean, you can do a lot of things on it in a very intuitive and easy manner, designed quite beautifully well for the user, and you are able to like collaborate at the same time and uh, able to like create something magical. So yeah. Right. We, we, we have some hypothesis on on the way we are approaching so it's it's quite yeah. interesting the way we can apply those principles to sales yeah totally it all comes down to efficiency and effectiveness right so everyone wants to be better faster and cheaper but most of the companies would fail you know at attempting all three like these companies would majorly focus on being faster and cheaper from a financial standpoint thinking that that will lead to a better uh, outcome but these companies do think better in the short term uh, is more valuable than best in the long term and then you know all these things happen that you are trying to solve with nectar that's that's a, a really great thing also like i see that you know this with all these great numbers that you shared right it it will take like you know uh, around a year for a sales rep to perform like a 10 year sales rep when you ha- newly hire them so so there's a lot of investment that that could go Uh, from a company into that particular sales rep and all the sales reps right so, uh, so you saw this this being like a necessity for most of the companies out there right and this this makes me think of you know or relate to the same kind of scenario that happened in during 2008 as well right so in 2008 the it's not the same kind of scenario as we are in in 2020 but it's very similar that you know in, in terms of the economic standpoint of the world so the but out of that the uh, like you know so when the world came out of 2008 recession so there were many great companies that were formed in like you know in from that recession right so it was uber it was airbnb so maybe this maybe i can think right nectar can be one of those companies that can come out of you know 2020 because as you rightly said right so the the productivity of sales people is falling down and down with with all these new tools that are coming in and new processes that are coming in right so they have to stay on top of all these tools constantly and which keeps on changing again adoption is a big issue that we are trying to solve as well but and ever since in this situation like everyone going remote the productivity would hamper even more the efficiency would hamper even more and i think you guys are trying to solve that particular thing at with nectar.ai so what do you think on that? Yeah, yeah, that's that. That's what we're looking at. It's 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 very interesting mm-hmm. and uh, it's very relevant problems. It's something I've personally faced. Something which my colleagues and yeah. friends face. Something the ecosystem is facing. What I thought could be like a local scenario turned out to be a a, a global uh, scenario. There's a lot of action that has happened in sales productivity space or sales tools in general in last, especially last decade. And if you look at it, 1990s was all about like ERPs and 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 the core systems, and then. 2000 you you saw salesforce and it was that it was the decade there and crm started becoming the norm and then there was 2010 and beyond where there was all about marketing automation and i would say now is the uh, the decade for sales tech i think sales tech is definitely yeah. uh, a big focus and sales was a neglected function if you look at technology i mean we all had like crm as a core platform and crm are meant to collect vast amounts of data but many organizations fail to turn the vast data that they have collected uh, into anything actionable one is the right. quality of the data second is making sense of that data and converting into something actionable 
it is used for great reportings and analysis but then it's not resulting into actions on the front line and that's where we felt that this work to be done and if you look at today's front line today's sales people are selling way differently what people sold 20 years back so a lot of the crms that are like long back would would necessarily not be able to do what today's sales people will need like today people are working on slack uh, whatsapp uh, video calls are, are going to be the norm in terms of uh, their own experience as as users most of the sales people also use b2c apps and they're like great b2c apps out there we which offer them great experience so they they don't like to like work on traditional b2b systems and that's where i think uh, whatfix is doing a great job of like helping organizations uh, solve that adoption problem and trying to make the investments work and that's a great great cause and and i think we are doing quite well there we we are just attempting to build a product that itself should be intuitive enough and should be high on adoption from day one because it's built for the users by the users who feel the same pain and who who feel what what the users would go through so that's that's the approach yeah. uh, that that we are taking so yeah we are looking at launching the product later this year we're currently in the stealth mode and and coming out of stealth soon we opened up for early access and early access program has already got huge response we've signed up more than 10 companies for our early access programs and we continue to sign up a few more as we get started yeah. right and can you can you tell us more about the company which is nectar.ai as the company like you know how big is the team yeah so we got a lot of encouraging response so once we started so i have the first person to sign up was my co-founder and cto and a, and a good, good friend of mine arvind who's worked at capillary as well and we we, we actually come from same play same college uh, so we both, both went to iit kharagpur i know him for 17 years we are family friends you know know each other quite well so he was the first guy i called i told him about the whole sales proxy space and i was looking to solve and he was at zendesk in singapore doing quite well and uh, he he obviously understands the sales tech as well having been part of zendesk and all so i mean we both got equally excited of opportunity to be able to work together on this and he just like quit the next day and joined me and we got started and we now have a eight member team across four different markets so we were remote first from day one so while all is getting adjusted to the covid norm and the future of work we we were actually into the future work future of work from day one so Right. We have employees in four countries: India, Vietnam, Indonesia, and Singapore. And right. uh, we, we've been able to collaborate uh, quite seamlessly. We've we never felt a need to have an office, and we've been able to operate very seamlessly. Our our prospect list and the early access customers who signed up with us are spread in three countries. We've been able to engage with them in a very meaningful manner. We end up speaking to over 150 users before we even wrote a single line of code and. these users were in some 20 odd countries we again did all remote interactions with them and so it was all, it was quite quite easy and intuitive for us from being like set up for remote first from day one so the team is quite excited as well in the way the product is shaping up yeah that's interesting yeah so i think we have reached the core here i have like a few lightning questions uh, which you can answer with whatever that comes on top of your mind sure so yeah So, what do you know about your work now that you wish you would have known when you first started? The ability to stay focused. And so, what did your biggest professional failure teach you? Always go multi-threaded. I mean, it was related to sales. So, 
early days i i would do, uh, talk to a single uh, prospect and i would just work with them and try to see if the deal gets closed but i realized that it's very important to go multi thread in any opportunity or any prospecting and i lost a big deal early on uh, by yeah. just being single threaded yeah mm-hmm. so that's that was one learning so always like go multi threaded great and my last question would be what's the number one thing that has helped you to shorten your crafts learning curve i think my ability to be open to ideas and feedback i think everybody makes mistakes it's quite natural to us as humans how quickly you learn from those mistakes and you can only learn when you take feedback in so it's quite important so i always taken feedback from my prospects if i've lost a deal on on why they didn't go with me and i i took that feedback quite seriously and and then i made sure that the next person i talk to i cover the thing that i did not cover the last time so i mean i i, I think taking that feedback and learning and avoiding the mistake to repeat is something which uh, definitely helped yeah. me learn faster yeah that's really interesting always keep growing is something that i also take very seriously for me as well so that's very insightful abhijit so it has been a great great talking to you about all these things you know expanding in asia about sales productivity about your new venture which is nectar.ai and it's it's really amazing it's been my pleasure as well sunil you you've been a great host and i think this uh, yeah. saas podcast is is a great initiative i think gives us uh, all in ecosystem to talk to each other share our learnings and i think what you're doing is is, is quite quite uh, useful and and meaningful for a lot of people out there a lot of entrepreneurs who might be starting up a lot of entrepreneurs who are in the middle of their journey so yep. so continue the good work uh, we we'll look forward to hearing Thanks. more podcasts as you record them in days yeah. forward Thanks a lot Abhijit I mean that's that's what uh, I intend to do maybe speak companies who want to expand in southeast asia would love to listen to you and I just you know give them a way to listen to you <laughs> Thanks Anil looking forward yeah. and you have a great day ahead and uh, stay safe 